the city, back of my neck getting dirt and gritty. Bend down, isn't it a pity? Doesn't seem to be a shadow in the city. All around, people looking half dead, walking on the sidewalk harder than a match. Hello, welcome to the Quarter Three Movie Podcast for the first purge. My name is Tom Chick. I'm here with Christian Malinsky. You can just call me Jerry Curl. And with a first purge tagline, Kelly Wand. Yep, there's four of these. <laughs> that one's no, for Kelly, the poster. Kelly, one, give us a tagline, not just a simple truth. Finally, a movie about people shooting each other with black characters. <laughs> Come on, oh, I, I, I'd like to take back the smirk that I made and instead harumph and say that's that's not funny, Kelly Wan. Very insensitive. Oh, give racist. us a yeah, give us a non-racist tagline. Finally, a movie I watched dubbed into German with black characters. <laughs> Did you really watch this in German? Because we're going to yeah, have issues. All right. Okay. Oh, yeah, I did. I had to. It, there was no other option. I didn't want to. I just went, oh, maybe tomorrow it'll – no. All right. Hey, well, you, everywhere. You might, no. If you have questions, Dingus and I will help you out. So, so do you have any other taglines for the first purge? Much my leg. <laughs> okay. Good one. That was my favorite so far. Oh, <laughs> uh, I should quit while I'm behind. Let's hear it. Give it to us. Much more. <laughs> wow, why is that part hard? Much Let's like my, I think it's because there's like a hard part coming up, and you go, "All right, I got to be ready for that," and then you right. screw up the key part. Right. How about that Team Croatia dingus? No, just kidding. Uh, much like my eczema cream, it's topical. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> are there more? Eczema. Yeah, more? You mean the drink? Mm, now I feel better. Uh. Just call it the Furge. <laughs> <laughs> All right, way to end with a bang, Kelly Wand. Very nicely yeah. done. Dingus, yeah. Bugs, Bugs Bunny one. I like that. Tell the listener. Oh, by the way, so you guys know I've got my whole thing about how I was having a conversation with a friend a while ago about who is the the modern day Harrison Ford. And my my supposition was it's Dwayne Johnson. Like that's what I finally came up to. And you guys have infamously. I know you're playing devil's advocate, but you agree with me. Shut up. You, you guys have talked about how you know Dwayne Johnson is a successor to Harrison Ford. Well, you know what? Today, later on the podcast, I'm just going to tease this. I'm going to walk that back. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, because so, it's a new successor, not stand, Dwayne Johnson. Stand by. Dwayne. Yes, stand by. Stay tuned for that. <laughs> I found a new Harrison. <laughs> I'm just teasing it. So, Dingus I, is Mark Hamill. the Lord of the Idiots. Go ahead and, and give us a late contender arises. Give us the basics about this movie without spoiling anything. All right. This week we saw The First Purge. Oh! Or The Furge. A 2018 American action horror dystopian prequel movie about Dimitri Ex Machina. It was directed by Gerard McMurray. What? Because I, I don't know any of your jokes because I watched it dubbed into German. What's so. German for Dimitri, Kelly Wand? How do you say that name in German? That's me upset that it's only dubbed into German in Germany. Why do you guys need to see it dubbed, you fucking idiots? You're missing the whole vocal performance, stupid master race. Okay, sorry, Dagus, please continue. Sorry about that. Bad writing, bad writing. It was directed by Gerard McMurray and written by James DeMonaco. Third favorite Gerard in Hollywood. And second demonic. It stars Elon Noel, Lex Scott Davis, Javon Wade, Marissa Tomei, 
Luna Lauren Velez, and Moma Cray. The Germans are peckable, all of them. Yeah. The, uh, the first purge, or the Furge, is rated R for strong, disturbing violence throughout mm-hmm. pervasive language. <laughs> I can get vouch for that part. <laughs> Whatever some, you call it. Some sexuality. Mm-mm. And drug use. Uh, Kelly Wan, is there anything that should be also uh, included in that list that they missed? Improper use of stuffed animals. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise approved for all ages, but only for 12 hours one of the year. <laughs> uh, the first purge opened at number four behind uh, nice. Ant-Man 2, The Incredibles 2, and Jurassic Park Bedroom Dinosaur. First See, purge came in after those three. It made $17 million. Cinema score, the people who uh, were asked, hey, what did you think of this movie? They only gave it a B minus, which is bad news. They did not care for it. Mm. Uh, Metacritic and Rotten Tomatoes. Kelly Wan, it's a red letter day. They both gave it a 54. Right? Oh. 54% of the reviews are positive, And the average rating from various reviews, 54. Mm. Kelly Wan, I would like. Where are you? A first projopsis from you. Is that what such a thing would be called? Was I close? Uh, <laughs> yeah, sure. All right. <laughs> Sweet. I win. <laughs> Just didn't sound right when you said it for some reason. Well, let's hear it from you as, as part of the actual synopsis where it actually is in context. Uh, hang on. I thought you did so. You were so efficient. Just like Germany. Wow. The Fops Purge Spiss. What? The Fops Purge Spiss. Warning, the following is based on a version dubbed into German. Although if it had been in English, I'd still have gotten most of this wrong, probably. (laughs) A black guy in a close-up room who looks kind of like the 7-Up voodoo cackler whom we were led to believe was about to murder James Bond and Jane Seymour on a train at the end of Live and Let Die. (laughs) He survives. He could have a spinoff. Is all... My grandmother stitched quilts, so I stitched a caduceus tattoo on my face. And the best revenge of all, it's totally invisible. Like the emperor's clothes. I never finished reading it. A white man with glasses is all. Uh, I think I'm a prison warden or a psychologist. Um, also, I can see the stitches, all of them. Uh, they're pretty visible. Um, and based on the pattern, pretty sure you don't know what a caduceus is. Ha <laughs> 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 Eisenberg. Eisenberg is making it. Ooh, we do. It's a little Meryl Streep in there too. <laughs> I'm here too, Dingus. I'm Oh, character, white man. Why is this happening? Because he was dubbed into German, dingus. I don't know what he sounds like. By the way, my name is Stitches. 
After the main gremlin in Gremlins. <laughs> Another movie I never saw. All the way th- Some words are all the fops perps best. <laughs> A newscaster's all. And in retcon news, Donald Trump was reelected today for the ninth time, but now has dark hair and insisted via misspelled tweets that we all call him Martin Breckman. Here's how his supporters celebrated his victory. There's some split screenshots of Klansmen running over people and ICE agents urging retirees wearing MAGA hats into cages while the retirees chant, Lock us up! Yeah! Woo! <laughs> At his victory speech, the president reiterated his promise to build a wall midway across the Atlantic and insisted North Korea would pay for it. He also announced that he just watched one of the Purge movies, he wasn't sure which one, and tweeted that it sounded like a good idea and that the first Purge would be held tomorrow, but for sentimental reasons only in Staten Island where he grew up. And that if this quote-unquote experiment proves profitable, we may make three more of these, including another one set during an election year. Some words are all, 20 minutes of screen time before the Purge. Oh, God. Stinky, a cool black person in a turtleneck, drives around in a car while music plays. (laughs) And I think, this movie's in fucking German. (laughs) He sees a crowd of screaming people standing in line holding up signs that say, protests cause noise pollution and blasting air horns. Stinky sees three of his friends sitting in lawn chairs enjoying the view. One of them's fat and Asian, one's fat and black, and the third guy's mixed race and just has a big head. (laughs) I had to really pay attention to the visuals. It's uh, it's telling me the whole story. The Asian guy fist bumps him and goes, Hey, S.A., you late for the protest watching. Stinky's all, Sorry, I'm supposed to play basketball with my girlfriend's sister later. She ain't very good. The fat black guy's all, word, fist bumps himself. The mixed race guy's all, my motivation's unclear. The Asian guy's all, hey, S.A., an extra told me there's a character in this movie named Chip Staunchers. He's mad at your character for not saving him a lawn chair. Says unless you apologize, he's going to hire some hookers to stab you during the purge. (laughs) Stinky's all, damn. Settling personal vendettas ain't what the purge stands for. The fat black guy's all, dog. Ten minutes later, Stinky still has no follow-up, so he goes to play basketball. A few minutes into the game, his sister barges into the gym and goes, You fucking started without me again! (laughs) Knew she was upset for her acting. She scowls at Stinky and goes, Also, why'd my diaphragm have mustard and beer stains all over it this morning? Uh. Is there all, ooh? (laughs) Diggis doesn't like diaphragm humor. Stinky loses the game and goes into his office. His sister hits him a bunch of times. Then she's all, By the way, our slow cousin Gary is coming to town tomorrow to pick up some contact lenses he ordered. I think I probably got 99% of this correct. <laughs> Body language and acting are almost the same word. Contact lenses. Shouldn't he wait till after the purge to worry about his nail collection? 
the sisters. So I nub you. By the way, the purge is tomorrow. Although Lando pronounces it porch. <laughs> I thought it was Londo. She's all. Also, I want you to babysit Gary while I sit in a church with a bunch of white people and text him. <laughs> also, promise me you won't go out purging tomorrow. It's our anniversary. <laughs> uh, I thought you were my sister. I would just establish that, <laughs> Kelly. Also, don't worry. I've seen the Purge movies, okay? You wake up in a room, handcuffed with a bunch of strangers, and a man with cancer trolls you with limericks, so you have to soft leg. <laughs> There's four of those? Bam! He raises his saw way ahead of him. She's all, that's saw, fool! Oh, uh, wait. So Purge is the uh, Ghost Hunter franchise with the guy who played Birdman in Watchmen? No, that's Condren and Insidious. <laughs> I thought Ethan Hawke was Insidious. No, that's Sinister. Oh, I thought that was the one where he has to hold off a home invasion for 12 hours. <sighs> I dub you again. Next to a countdown clock, some words are all a couple words before the purge part of the movie starts. I look over at Arnold in his running man jumpsuit sitting there. Oh, I didn't know you were German. <laughs> didn't even notice your accent. By the way, in Running Man, I thought it was pretty funny at the end when the public learns that their cult figure, Richard Dawson, has been lying to them. And then you show them video proof of it, and then they actually give a shit and get upset and turn on him. Well, that was some quaint science fiction, man. He's all, nice to see you, back in the movie. A newscaster's all, welcome to the purge. Brought to you by Macaroni Grill. <laughs> Macaroni Grill. It's kind of like lasagna. Just so everybody's clear on the pre rules, if you stay home, you get $5,000. Plus another dollar if you also wander the streets getting shot. Plus another 24 cents if you don't wear contact lenses and you let these drones shoot you. <laughs> also, please don't shoot the drones people. They're expensive. In a headset room, the prison warden looks at Marissa Tomei and goes, what the fuck? You're blonde in this? <laughs> Must be a pretty meaty role. She's all, I actually died at for Infinity War, but they said they had to cut all my scenes for the Hulks. <laughs> Story of my life. Uh... Marissa told me is listening. I think you're really hot, man. I hope that voice isn't a deal breaker. <laughs> Could be Jason Alexander. The prison warden's all. By the way, Marissa, are these... Not these headsets. I know they'll help us hear the purge, but how are we supposed to watch it? She's all, damn it! The purge siren goes off, annoying some ducks in a street... <laughs> I don't know what that means. In a street, a homeless woman holds up a cardboard sign that says, Is it the end of the beginning? I fell asleep during the first three. <laughs> Ethan Hawke pulls up beside her in a car and goes, 
Uh, this is the Phantom Menace of the Purge saga, and you're actually in the middle of it. Good thing I'm leaving town. Suddenly his car runs out of gas. He's all, damn it! <laughs> isn't, that how he, isn't that how Tom told me the first one started? He runs out of gas. Uh, that's the no. second one. They run out of gas. All right. That and, and it's not even Hawk. It's just around the other couple. Well, you know what I was trying to save. Oh, that's the second one? I can't believe yeah. how many of these I've seen. Damn, it's all Tom, that motherfucker. I mean, a couple of fat black ladies take their stuffed animals for shopping cart rides in slow motion giggling. In the White House, the president makes his remaining cabinet members watch TV with him. He points at the shopping cart lady's fat arms and goes, see, isn't this great? At home, Gary, Staten Island's youthful black person, excitedly opens a box that says TFF on it and goes, yeah, now my eye color will finally beat. He holds up the lenses and goes, oh, green still. Wah, wah. He scowls and puts them in. Some CG on them's all beep, boop, beep. He opens his bedroom door and goes, yo, mama, my lenses that hamper my vision came. I'm going to go wander the streets and try and get shot. Fuck those five G's. Suddenly he remembers he lives alone. But just for... <laughs> just for Buddy climbs out his window. <laughs> he wanders around some alleys playing Let's Look at Each Other Through Some Windows. Contact lens enthusiasts. <laughs> I know a lot of black jargon because I live in Hamburg. <laughs> Meanwhile, a sign outside a church reads, Call this franchise the prey, not purge. Agent wanted. Meanwhile, a dumb guy with a crowbar is all, Ha ha, fuck yeah, packing the guns for losers. Me and Betsy G. Crowbar here have the perfect purge evening of a lifetime in mind. Woo woo. Yeah. Well, well, Mr. ATM. <laughs> Who can't remember their pin number now, motherfucker? <laughs> ah, yeah. ATM going down. Yeah. Ah, man, I'm a genius. Fuck. This crowbar's not opening the money drawer like a key, as I was hoping. Hmm, that's funny. I thought I heard facial stitches coming up behind me. Oh, hey, Stitches, what's the knife for? As Crowbar picks out, Stitches winks affectionately at the ATM. <laughs> You're welcome. Suddenly, Stitches hears another Crowbar a block down and walks off, giggling in German. Meanwhile, Gary walks down an alley. He's all, what the? Who threw out this perfectly good stuffed animal? And this one. And what the? Oh, just a whole bunch of stuffed animals. What? This calls for further investigation. Suddenly, he notices the stuffed animal he's holding has a bomb taped to it. It blows up in his hand. He's all, why? And runs away crying and peeing himself while stuffed animals blow up all around him and two fat ladies cackle from their balcony till Gary gets away uninjured. That's what they wanted to see. <laughs> The ladies finally stop laughing. One's all, whew, that was awesome. How many stuffed animals we got left for the rest of the night? The other one's all, uh. Meanwhile, Gary's all, oh, man, that was terrifying. Guess I'll keep wandering around. Suddenly, Stitches springs out from behind a lamppost. Ah, 
gotcha! <laughs> Gary's all, damn, I kind of wish I brought a gun now. Oh, wait, I did. Ha-ha. As you can see, I have a gun in your face. Stitches is all, gotcha! And points to his stitches. Gary screams, drops his gun, runs away, peeing his pantsy. <laughs> Suddenly, he finds himself at a block party with a bunch of dancing chicks. He's all, ah, oh, hells yeah, this purges the bomb. He starts dancing with stitches. In the headset room, the prison psychologist is all, damn it, Tomei. We're paying these black people $5,000 to dance with each other. This purge is a disaster. I think maybe we need to watch the other movies and see what the rules were in those. <laughs> Tomei's all, take it easy, I'm blonde in this. Ah, look at these, Kelly. Meanwhile, in an apartment at the block party, a dancing hooker's all. By the way, Chip Stauncher sends his regards and tries to stab Stinky, but he tricks her by not getting stabbed. Outside, Stitches <laughs> stabs his dance partner, who unfortunately is no longer Gary, but some hot girl. Another hot girl screams and then also starts dancing with him. He laughs and stabs her, then starts dancing with someone else. He's actually a really good dancer, I think. That's what <laughs> His stitches, crazy laughter, and knife eventually cause concern among the extras. <laughs> In the headset room, Tomei's all, huh? Look at that. Who's dancing now? Boom. You've just been Tomei Staten Island. <laughs> but the psychology warden's all, damn it, Tomei. They were dancing to a song I liked. He and all the other headset people storm out dancing. Tomei looks sad. She's all, I got blonde down there for nothing. Meanwhile, in a warehouse, Gary's sister by not cutting her throat correctly. So Gary stabs him in the shoulder and runs off with his sister giggling. <laughs> Stitches is all, damn it, I can't reach the knife. <laughs> Ooh, which soldier that is it on? I don't know what. He gets out a back scratcher and tries to clamp the knife handle, but accidentally gets the back scratcher stuck in his eye. Outside, Gary's all, Good thing I finally remembered I had a knife. By the way, how was church? Sister's all, I got thrown out texting during the sermon, which had something to do with Moses being upset because they threw a purge without him when he went up to Sinai. Gary's all, cool pool, sis. By the way, I think our character should get married. Suddenly, a cackling teenager, <laughs> oh shit, with a toilet paper roll on his face, runs up to them, pointing a pistol. Nobody move. This is the mask I wanted my character to drive to wear. But then, <laughs> Rifing, however the fuck he said in Italian, made me go with that stupid scorpion jacket because he said my toilet paper story wasn't as good as the scorpion one, even though they're not that different. <laughs> Nobody move. Also, uh, I'll be appearing in a Blade Runner prequel called Death <laughs> with Aaron Ehrenreich this January. So, I'm not done with science fiction prequels yet. Nobody move. <laughs> Gary's all, please don't purge us, Mr. Gosling. We love your people's ideas about jazz. <laughs> Shut up. I'm in charge here. And maybe I'm not Gosling under this. Maybe I'm Giovanni Ribisi or something. There's no way for you to know. Island of Staten, come and purge on me. Shit. <laughs> I mean, my purge character is now going to murder, rape your sister. That's this franchise. Also, uh, I seem to have misplaced my shopping cart full of stuffed animals, so please let me know if you see them around. Each of them has considerable sentimental value. 
The sister's all, can we get on with the murder rape, please? Gosling squirts them both with his water pistol. Ha ha, I didn't murder rape you. Except with what I hope is water, as I've been drinking substantial amounts. I'm the king of the purge. Uh, some German I can understand if I listen carefully. He capers off, giggling. Then he walks up to another couple and goes, Hey, guess what's in my water pistol? They both shoot him. Gary and his sister get bored, so they hide behind a car while soundtrack music plays. Meanwhile, in another car, Stinky's friend is driving. He's all, Hey, look over there in the intersection. White people having sex on a dirty car hood. Can only do that during a purge, yo. Stinky's all, that is pretty compelling. Suddenly, a car on fire hits them. The couple having sex are all, ha-ha, tricked them. <laughs> Guy's all, yup. So how many burning cars we got left for the rest of the night? She's all, <laughs> When Stinky wakes up, he's upside down in his car, and a bunch of guys with machine guns are shooting at him. He tricks them by emerging from the car, somehow getting a gun, and shooting them. Well, they're distracted from watching him do all this. So Stinky suddenly realizes some nearby black guys he hasn't shot yet are his friends. <laughs> Sammy Pants, Jimmy Chonga. Oh, sup, yo. Boy, I sure hope that's the last time my character's hiding under a car tonight. Speaking of which, why aren't any of us wearing the contact lenses that keep drones from shooting us? Suddenly, some drones start shooting them. Stinky tricks the drones by getting under the car, which <laughs> bullets have no answer for. Stinky's all friend characters no point character scene nine it's like battlefield earth where you have to convert it to cyclone back Finally, even though the drones are still there, Stinky gets out and shakes his fist at them and then raises the fist in solidarity at the bodies of his friends. The drones reluctantly decide they like him and leave. Stinky wants off, finds Chip Staunchers, and tricks him by shooting him and his hookers. Then finds some mist so he gets into a machine gun fight. Meanwhile, Gary and his sister hang out in an apartment doing nothing. Suddenly, one of the fat shopping cart ladies barges in, sees Gary, cackles and goes, Damn, boy, I sure made you walk slightly faster by destroying those stuffed animals. Woo-hoo. Gotcha. Wow. You beat your pants. Ha ha. Shut up, fool. <laughs> Gary and his sister chuckle affectionately at Gary's cowardice. The sister's all, Oh, Rhonda, you're our favorite neighbor. What happened to the other shopping cart lady? Rhonda's all, hoo-hoo. And she's all, well, bye, and opens the door. Then she's all, shit, some clansmen with machine guns are coming towards us down the hallway. Oh. A neighbor comes in and goes, hey, can you keep it down? I'm trying to watch footage of Marissa Tomei wearing a headset on C-SPAN. <laughs> she should just do it for 5000 Suddenly, Stinky shoots him in the head from out in the hallway and walks on screen smiling. I had a hunch he'd be talking to y'all. And even Stitches may yet have some noble sacrifice to make. He opens the door. <laughs> See what I did there, Tom? Very nice. I actually have yep. that in my notes. Very well done, Gully. Oh, do you? Damn. Yep. Well done. 
they're in every movie. He opens the door and sees the Grand Wizard of the Klansman loading a rocket into his rocket launcher. <laughs> Stinky shuts the door and goes, oh, Sister character, quick, give me your lipstick. Gary, you find something non-flammable for us to hide under that'll protect us from the building exploding all around us. <laughs> Gary holds up a mattress. He's all way ahead of you. Stinky takes the lipstick, throws it out into the hall, and tries to shoot at it repeatedly while the Klansmen stare at the lipstick, then at him, then at their rocket launcher, then back at the lipstick, then at us, then at Stinky. Stinky squints, tries to aim his best at the lipstick, and fires again. Bam! One of the clansmen's all, ow! He shot me in the arm. Stinky's all, sorry. Suddenly Stitches shows up, somehow unnoticed by the clansmen, cackles, and goes, now for the final part of my plan! <laughs> it's like five seconds until the end of the purge, and he does that. He gets shot and punched to death by the clansmen while he cackles triumphantly. Meanwhile, Stinky pops in a fresh clip, and after a few more tries and second unit footage of a stunt shooter, he manages to hit the lipstick. <laughs> while the lipstick blows up just the clansman side of the hallway, Stinky <laughs> runs back into the apartment, locks the door, pees, struggles to get the last thing of the round hole, makes a sandwich, pees again, checks the explosion's progress through the peephole, then runs farting into the bedroom and hides under the mattress, which already has Gary, the sister, and the shopping cart lady under it, and her shopping cart. Some fire... What? Oh, this is probably hyphenated. Some fire CG rings the doorbell and looks for them unsuccessfully in slow motion. <laughs> Eventually, after they all take a nap... Gary's all, ha-ha, mattress power. Victoriously points to the black smudge on the bottom of the mattress from the fury of the explosion. <laughs> Beside me, Indiana Jones rolls his eyes in disgust. <laughs> Londa's all, I know which side of that mattress I'm sleeping on tonight. Mm-hmm. Outside, the purge alarm goes off. Stinky puts a hand to his bloody stomach and goes... Damn, I guess I shot myself. They all chuckle at his stupidity and limp outside. Where a large crowd of smiling black people are slowly getting in the line to pick up their $5,000 checks. At a counter by the lawn chairs, Tomei's all, Um, yeah, that alarm just now, that meant the purge just started. That one last night was the system. Like the bat signal, the end of the Tim Burton Batman. So, ready? Go! <laughs> She went out to tell them that. Some rap music plays while words eventually tell me the name of the song. There's an Easter egg of a white guy at a rostrum giving a speech to TV cameras in German, which I stopped to watch so, you know, I can listen some more to some German. Probably saying the first purge was a failure, so there won't be any more. The end. Oh, the first purge. purge. Very nice. <clears throat> The gosling appearance was awesome. I can't believe I didn't catch that. Really? (laughs) I could tell from the mask it was him. Very good, yeah. So him that he would design that. And it is something he would do during The Purge. Right. Even in German. And they dub these movies into German. It's like the – I feel like it's just one guy doing all the voices, and it doesn't sound like anybody. So you have to hear, like, one guy go, (laughs) (laughs) You got got the Skeletor voice down, so – 
Yeah. Right, it's... Before we get into that, though, let's get uh, – Dingus, you, you've seen this movie most recently. What's a movie that's better than The First Purge, a movie that's not quite as good as, as First Purge, and uh, what did you think of this? All right, so the movie that's better than The First Purge um, is a movie uh, that does a proper church massacre. That would be Kingsman, The Secret Service. Um, because I felt I was really looking forward to the church massacre and they just didn't bother to show it. How annoying is that? That's a high bar though. That's yeah, the well, best church massacre ever. It was really, I was really great. Um, the one that's below this, uh, was a, a, a dumb movie that's trying to make some sort of political religious point, And that would be red <laughs> state. So I, I would put red state below this. I would put what? Uh, yeah. red state below. Are you crazy? Dingus uh, hates Michael Parks. I and do. that girl, the Celtus girl in it. Uh, I actually quite liked this. I know that's going to be weird, but I liked this. Uh, you know. I liked this a lot. Um, what did you say? You could do worse. Go ahead, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I liked this. I was, uh, I was impressed by the fact that um, it was being so nakedly and overtly political. <laughs> And it's funny to watch some of the interviews afterward and hear them sort of be shy about that, because I think that. Are they? Well, I thought they went, oh, Trump's got our slogan. Yeah, well, that doesn't surprise us. Well, at least Elon Noel, when I saw him on an interview in a radio station later tonight, um, seemed to be like, well, kind of. But but I think it's very overtly political. It's almost like um, agitprop, but not with the communists like. Uh, implications that agitprop theater would would uh, would imply just the idea of naked or overt political um, political statements and this is the second movie in a row when, you know not counting last week when we did a three by three that is that is actually made in a direct Trump reference um, they got lucky to a, <laughs> to an actual quote that he has, has said um, which it was really interesting to me. And then watching the way that the movie kind of plays out um, politically was also interesting to me. I think it's a little adolescent, but, uh, but nevertheless, I liked it. Uh, I'll go next. So uh, my over and under um, my under is actually the, uh, the second purge movie. Uh, the third one, I actually, I think the third one might be the best and that's damning them with that the grace. The no, that's the day. second one. Uh, election Day is the third one, and uh, no, election Grillo. year. Frank Grillo's right. in the in the in the election year one too. He is. Man, I don't remember that. Yeah, he plays a Secret Service agent basically who's protecting her. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, Jesus. at any rate, my under is the second one with Frank Grillo uh, because I, I think the sin of that movie is. Uh, it, it has a great setup with Frank Grillo and his armored muscle car and his shotgun and he's tortured past and that's like a solid setup and the sin of that purge movie is that it falls apart into just forgettable mush like i don't remember there something about a dune buggy in a tunnel and uh he's like rescuing people and there's people in a, a semi with a machine gun but i don't like it it just it goes nowhere it's it's solid setup uh but it just and then, oh, i remember they get captured by rich people and there's some poorly lit shootout and uh so Solid setup that is squandered, and for that reason, I think this one is a little better um, because this one 
the, the problem with this one isn't the setup, which I think is actually pretty solid. The problem yeah. with this one is that I, I don't think Gerard or Gerald McMurray, Dingus, what's his name? Gerard. Gerard McMurray, I don't think he can shoot action to save his life. Now, and that's unfortunate because that's what a Purge movie needs to do. Uh, and that's what this one wants to do, is it wants to have action sequences. And they're wretched. They're horrible. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, so uh, while I do feel like at least this one has some memorable setup. It doesn't completely fall apart in, in terms of the execution in the same way as – like it's not forgettable. I, I will remember certain things from this one, but I will also remember that the director couldn't follow through with what he was trying to do, and that's my big issue with it. So my over um, – because this sort of satire I love. I, I love this sort of thing. Uh, but one of the things missing pretty much from all the Purge movies uh, is any sense of humor about this satire. Mm -hmm. The Purge movies are, are super serious, and they really shouldn't be. They don't need to be. They can be ridiculous, and they can be aware that they're ridiculous because they are ridiculous. The premise is ridiculous. And I recently saw a movie. Uh, it came out uh, a couple of weeks ago. It's a, a video-on-demand movie. First-time director. Uh, it's very much the same premise. It's a movie called The Domestics. And the idea is that there's a, a – it's the stupidest apocalypse. Like it's never really explained. Uh, airplanes spray the earth with poison, and everybody dies. And, and the, the people who are immune to the poison, this disease, who survive, the survivors are in a post-apocalyptic landscape, and they divide into different tribes that rule different parts of the, of the country. Uh, and the domestics is – these are the people who just stay home, who are nonviolent. And the premise of the movie is that two of the domestics really need to travel – uh, it's a husband and wife, and they need to get to the wife's family, who's like you know 200 miles away uh, across the United States, across the, like part of the heartland, and they've got to cross this hostile terrain inhabited by the other factions, and it's all about how uh, America is translated into these violent factions who uh, wouldn't normally be violent, but this outbreak of violence turns them against each other, and they kill each other. The thing about the domestics. Uh, it's not a very good movie at all. It also can't do action to save its life. Uh, but the domestics, I like some of the cast members in it. And most importantly, uh, let me describe one of the scenes to the domestics to you. This sort of scene should be in The Purge because this is the sense of humor that these kinds of movies can use. So in the domestics, there's the main psycho evil guy. He's like the equivalent of Skeletor, right? And he's got a ridiculous hat on. And the, 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 the people wearing the masks in the domestics, their masks are, are just absurd. And I think the movie kind of knows it. So there's the main evil bad guy, and he's got a couple of sidekicks, one of whom is a big hulking biker. And the other one is a, is a more diminutive psycho guy with a chainsaw that he carries around at his side. So this trio captures a couple of innocents, and they're interrogating the innocents. They need information about a location, about where to go to find our heroes. And the innocents who've been captured, uh, they hold out for a little bit, but uh, eventually the main evil guy realizes he's going to have to wreak violence upon them. So he nods to the guy with the chainsaw. And the guy with the chainsaw walks up to one of the innocents, and he pulls a little cord. And the chainsaw doesn't start, so he pulls it again. doesn't start, and he pulls it again. It's not starting, and he sort of gives him a sheepish look to his boss, and he pulls it again. And he gives it. He sort of shrugs, and he's trying to start the chainsaw. And the main bad guy's like, "Okay, whatever." And he just pushes him out of the way, and they chop the, the innocents up with axes because the chainsaw wouldn't start. Uh, and then they realize now they've got the location, so they get on their motorcycles to go to the location now to to, to capture and kill our heroes. Uh, 
And the guy with the chainsaw, you know, they get on their motorcycles and they kickstart them. And the guy with the chainsaw gets on and he kicks his motorcycle and it doesn't start. And he kicks it again and it doesn't start. And he gives him a look like, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't know what's going on. And so the main bad guy says to his other henchmen, eh, just leave them. And they drive off on their motorcycles and we never see the chainsaw guy again. And it's it's kind of a cute little moment, like it's a sense of humor, uh, and it kind of realizes how <laughs> absurd this premise is. Um, unfortunately, there aren't many bits like that, but there are a few of them, and for that reason, I think there's more of a self-awareness to the domestics, even though from a filmmaking perspective, I don't think it's as good as uh, The First Purge. I think from a satire perspective, it understands things that The First Purge does not. Uh, which we'll talk about in a little bit. So there's my over and under. Uh, domestics is my over. My under is a purge anarchy. Kelly Wand, what did you think of this? What's an over? What's an under? Um, well, I saw it dubbed into German, so in a way I'm not qualified to review it. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, it's not my choice of watching methods, but it makes you try to follow the story based entirely on the visuals. Um, uh, it sounds like you pretty much got it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay, good. I, I thought that too. Um, I like movies about black people. I feel like they have more integrity, so they're more exciting to me. Um, so that's good. Uh, my over is The Running Man, the novel. Does that count? <laughs> and then your, your under is The Long Walk? No, it's the movie The Running Man. That's oh. my under. Battle Royale is probably my real over. But I would pick the writing by the novel as kind of a uh, everyone to get like anarchy as a as a high concept. Did he actually right. do a novel out of that, or is it just a short story? It was a novel. It was one of I think he wrote it on Jeez. coke because he wrote it in seventy two hours, and it's like a hundred chapters that count down from a hundred, and they're really short. It's a super short book. Um, <laughs> but the premise of the book is it's a game show, and but everyone and and it's not like you fight other wrestlers but like the entire populace of the country is trying to find you too and call you in and then they and then they kill you so they're all in on it so it's like you versus everyone so it's kind of got this solipsistic sort of vibe mm-hmm. okay so, so i like that um <laughs> what's the question and, and so then your under is the actual running man movie your over is basically since we can't use novels, it would be Battle Royale. Battle Royale. Very good. Right. All right. But I never, I've never quite – okay, I haven't seen the Ethan Ogwin. I've never really understood this franchise, but I think you actually just explained it to me. Is it supposed to be about awesome action sequences that you with, – with characters who, aren't, who are out of their depth? Is that the idea? Not I don't, necessarily, no. I'm, sure, I'm not, not sure I get the, this. I don't, I don't know if I get The Purge. Um, like what I, so, I, I mean, I, I think what it's doing, and uh, you know, Running Man is certainly a precedent for it. But I, I think more, I, I think it's more playing on the battle royale idea of turning what regular you- people, turning regular people against each other. This all idea right. of uh, you know, like a free for all. Uh, what, what would like what a satire about a free for all as a as a social program to address violence, uh, and then that's what battle royale did. Uh, and I think these purge movies sort of come from that. Well, uh, like you said, about... good, Kelly. Well, just it seems more. It seems very character dependent then, and that's why I thought Tom's anecdote was pretty 
revealing like oh that was this other movie had a character in it that that had like a an arc that was interesting well that's what that the entry into these is you're supposed to care about the characters and wonder what they're going to do and actually, and actually that was one of the things that i did like about this movie is early on i, I liked these characters i loved the yeah. setup of yeah. a neighborhood activist and a neighborhood drug dealer uh and how are they both going to react differently to the purge and that i Again, everything that's set up that I respected in this movie, I don't feel was followed through on, and then that's one of the things because I did like these characters, and that's what I think these purge movies want you to do: is here's this satire, here are these characters, we're going to introduce them to you, and then we're going to show you what happens to them, what decisions they make, and presumably, uh, I, I mean, I, I do think action is an important part of these purge movies. The the violence, if if not gore, at least action. Uh, and presumably that will be part of what happens in the course of the movie is normal people subjected to these these violent action sequences, I guess. Um, well, that was the weak part. Yeah. So, well, so the thing is how would, three yeah, are all directed by the same guy. Right, right. And he's the one who wrote this one. Mm -hmm. So I think that one of the things one of your one of your because Gerard um, Gerard McMurray uh, was a producer on Fruitvale Station. So. I don't think that uh, I think that your your objection about it not understanding the absurdity or not conveying the humor is apt, but I don't think he finds this situation funny in well, the movie. Well, it's satire, making. right? Right. I, I mean, maybe humor is a bad word, but you you agree this is satire, right? Um, I don't think this one is. I think the other ones kind of are. I, I think this is straight up political uh, in your face. It, this is this is I don't know if I would call it satire. I don't know if I would call it allegory. I don't know what I would call it, but it seems like this is this is what's going on in America right now. Wake up, everybody. I mean, I think that's what Gerard McMurray is saying. I haven't heard him actually say that, it's but it feels like that. that's what he's saying. This is what's going on in America right now. Uh, this is this is. This is a metaphor for what's going on in America right now, and it's not funny. And we're going through this, and and I think it's it's very real uh, in that in that regard. I don't think it's I don't necessarily think it's satire in the way in that way. Maybe maybe Animal Farm would be a would you a say corollary. that it's would you say that it's absurd or unrealistic or exaggerated? Uh, I think it is exa exaggerated okay. because uh, because it is heightened. I mean, we're not. We're not literally sending so. soldiers into the towers to shoot people um, to in order to cull the population because that's what these four movies are essentially revealed themselves to be about. It's not just about let's get out our anger. It's it's really it turns out in this prequel it's about you know we we can't figure out a way to pay for everything so let's get rid of a bunch of people and the best people to get rid of are the ones who can't pay for stuff. Uh, and I don't, like that to me, that sounds to me like Eat the Rich, which is the classic example of, of satire. Uh, right. Right. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. It does have a swift. You know, I mean, you're right. I mean, I think you're right about that, but I don't think um, Gerard McMurray thinks it's funny. So I think that's why he doesn't have a sense of humor about it. But I don't think like I don't think uh, fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, I, the thing is, satire doesn't in a weird way, a satire doesn't have to necessarily be a comedy. And me maybe okay. expecting this to be more comedic might be unfair. Uh, so, so then I, I do want to talk then about my I think my bigger objection, which is less to do with tone and more to do with follow through. Uh, mm. So, so thing is, you mentioned that uh, you felt a little 
you, you compare this to, to Kingsman, which uh, has a, a church massacre. Uh, this obviously is not implying it, it, it has a church massacre. It just doesn't show it to us. Uh, right. Why does that bother you? It bothers me because I think that there's a setup for – and this is where your point about follow-through really makes sense. There's a setup for the pastor to be kind of a demented dude. I mean he's got alcohol in his desk. He's, he, there's, there's just that sort of classic feeling of something is going to go wrong in this room. Mm-hmm. That it, it definitely feels like something is going to go wrong in this room. Um, and what ends up happening is that a bunch of uh, mercenaries from around the world who are white supremacists get thrown into the mix uh, instead of just having people devolve. Um, because th- there, there is a sense in this movie of making a comment about black-on-black crime, but that's not enough uh, of a social comment that they're trying to make. So they throw a bunch of white people in to shoot black people. Um, I, I think it would have been a more uh, trenchant thing to, to show the parishioners going nuts. <laughs> Um, in various ways. And, and even, I mean, there's kids in there and we're just supposed to uh, imagine like the Jedi temple of the, of the younglings or something. Um, but I, I think that since this is an R rated movie, I think we should have seen that stuff. I, I mean, that's, what's Kingsman just Kingsman's that's just a a glorious scene as much as I, you know, I don't know that I care for that movie, but it's also, I I mean, Matthew Vaughn can do action. Like that is a little. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's that's clearly demonstrated in that that First sequence was, in so. Kingsman. Yeah, exactly. Right, um, and I guess he just, I guess Gerard Murray just can't do it. And, and I think you're right about that. Um, it, it, through all that, through all that stuff in the in the dark hallways, you know, the the choice to turn off the lights, I think, is a convenient choice. Um, the machine gun drones and, and our writer in or Chris Markinson said, where are they hiding their bullets exactly? Uh, I, I don't know what that, where that comes from. Um, so I think that he, he lets himself off the hook too many times because he was about to have a really cool raid sequence, you know, storming that tower with, uh, with Dimitri's crew against the uh, weird white supremacist mercenary people uh, could have made a really cool like thing like Raid Redemption or whatever the first Raid movie is called, just the Raid, I guess. Uh, it really could have made a great action sequence going up those stairways, all through the floors, but they just avoided all that by killing everybody and just having one dude walk in. Well, I think he did try to – I mean I, I think that's – that's an example of Gerard McMurray trying to do an action sequence because you get shootouts down the hallway. I think that they are super proud of the one take stairway fight where uh, yeah. Dimitri fights the three guys. And I clearly was like, yeah, you're atomic bonding this. And, and you could, that's, yeah. that's the problem too with that scene. It isn't necessarily just the way Gerard McMurray shoots it, but the way it's choreographed. Like, I don't know, I don't pay attention to who does their, their stunt work and their choreography, but that stairwell fight is clearly stuntmen doing stuntmen things you know somebody swings right. high and so there's so many ducks and you see the stuntman waiting for his turn to get hit uh you know hanging fire because he's working with an actor and he's waiting for the actor to do his move and uh it, it's it's just horrible it's wretched um yeah. and just um, yeah. and i think but, but i think thing is i think they're super proud of it like i i don't know about proud of it but i think that this is this is they're wanting that to be an action sequence uh and the same with the shootout in the hallway where Skeletor comes in, like all of that. Uh, and, and I agree with you because I, I, 
you know, that's all of this is an example of setups that don't pay off because when you have that whole, you know, he knows how to shoot. Who's the guy who plays Dimitri Dingus? What's his name? His name's uh, it's it's spelled Y dash L A N, but it's pronounced Elon Noll. Okay, Elon. so Elon Noll, he knows how to shoot. Like that, that's a that guy looks great. He's like a Frank Grillo, and when he yeah. gets you know when he gets his like tank top on and he gets a bandolier and a gun, he looks great. And Gerard Murray knows how to shoot him moving into an action sequence, and yeah, that stuff he's... is exciting. It, like you know, it's it's a little cliched, whatever slow motion, but it looks good. The guy looks awesome. They've got the gunfire, you know, they've got the 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 the, uh, the, the firearms and stuff. And and we get that stupid stairwell fight, and we get the hallway shootouts, which are just poorly lit with lights coming on and up. Gerard McMurray, to me, is the guy who can set stuff up but can't see it through. And the, the, the church thing, Dingus, is, is a perfect example because I felt the same as you. Now, I don't think I, – I did like how there was a weird touch about the pastor. But I think, and I admire about this movie, that I think that clearly what Gerard McMurray is invoking is uh, Dylan Roof shooting up the church, like, like a white guy oh, shooting up a black yeah. church. That is clearly what the setup is. Yeah, you're and right. That, and and I, I, you know, there's even a, a lynching in this where you see it on one of the TV monitors where a man is strung up and then beaten with, with bats. Um, there is some really subversive stuff that could have been done with this that I think he makes a feint towards, F-E-I-N-T, and then doesn't follow through. Um, Like the whole thing about, what if we have a drug dealer and an activist? And they both care about their neighborhoods in different ways, but when this happens, how do they have different responses? And they don't. They come together. This movie wants... They could be anyone, but this movie is part of this romanticization. This movie romanticizes drug dealers, which which I think is yeah, it's is, like Hooker with a Heart of Gold. Exactly, and I think it's a yeah. serious problem in in, uh, in in the black community is romanticizing drug dealers. Uh, and and Gerard McMurray has a Gerald Mr. McMurray has a great opportunity to really say some cool subversive stuff by having an activist on one hand and a drug dealer on the other, and he couldn't care less. They are equal heroes in his eyes. In this movie, and I find that super disappointing. I find it disappointing that he doesn't follow through with uh, the, the church massacre. I find it disappointing too, and that there were so many times that I was in love with what this movie was trying to do. The contact lens scene is freaking brilliant. Yeah, when that really black, is. when that young black man turns into a blue-eyed killer, yeah. holy crap! That is a beautiful moment. And he doesn't follow through with it because later on we see some of the eyes are green, some of them are red. Like the 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 implications, the cool, yeah. The implications of the killers being blue eyed, that's huge. And he doesn't. He just make even the masks have eyes. Like I don't think he, he shoots that scene and makes me think, wow, this guy knows what he's doing with this imagery. But then later, oh, someone with a big, like Kelly Wong called it a toilet paper paper mache mask he's got red eyes like they're just glowing eyes for no purpose and he doesn't go anywhere with that awesome and the colors don't correspond anything like they color like he's not green and the other guy's not red in any way so they should they should be blue blue blue-eyed aryans nazis i mean that's beautiful a black man wearing blue contact lenses is is quite the statement in and of itself and it doesn't go anywhere just different people have different colors uh 
So here, here's another, like, I, I think he also, like, he, he lays the groundwork for that massacre at the church, and he doesn't follow through. He's really good at building up tension where Skeletor wanders into the block party. And I was dreading that. That's, there's a lot of tension there. Yeah. And when it finally breaks, he kills a couple people and they run off. And then like it's intercut with the other thing. Exactly. And, and the other thing, like, I thought maybe he was going to make them relate, but it's the, the prostitutes. Uh, uh, they're, they're, they're doing it, by the way, because they were paid. It's, there's, there's no comment there about, about uh, people's violent tendencies. It's just these women. Yeah, exactly. A dumb coincidence. These women were paid to do a hit. You know, it's got nothing to do with the purge, basically. And it, the, this whole idea, too. I also love the idea that on this event, and, and I love how they play with this, too. Nobody wants to kill each other. They're going to loot, but then they get together and they have a party. That was such a beautiful yeah, statement that, to me. I, I love that, that statement. Yeah. I was nuts about that development. I really, yeah. really liked that. I wanted to see it go somewhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I, I just think he had so many beautiful things he could have played them. Yeah. So, and when when I, Skeletor is, is is tracking him through the alley, he says this this really interesting line where he, he says, uh, "I'm everywhere. I'm everywhere, Isaiah. You can't hide from me." And there's this there's this weird kind of feeling of I don't know <sighs> oppression or racism or something that's going on there. And I wondered where that was going to go because th- this you know one of the things that Markinson really couldn't stand was the big the beginning acting of Skeletor. And That's tough, like, too. Yeah. 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 He's like, if, if you would have eliminated the Skeletor scenes, I would have been okay. But he's like, I can't really have confidence in the movie if this is how you're going to start with this kind of acting. But I really liked that movie because at, at that point, it seemed like he was almost, um, I don't know, uh, a, a character inside Isaiah's head, in a way, <laughs> that I'm everywhere, Isaiah. You can't hide from me. You can't or like you mentioned before, this- I think it's a metaphor for black-on-black violence. You know, run with that. Use it. And yeah. I, I just don't think McMurray or uh, the, the guy writing the script, I, I don't think they really knew what they had there, what potential there was there. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think you're right. Um, I think they, they were swinging for something, but they, they kind of whiffed on that. Because I think that I'm everywhere, Dingus, I think that's more the uh, omniscient, unkillable killer. Like, I think that's just yeah. them doing a, a Jason rather than any sort of statement yeah. about latent violence or racism. He didn't right, seem right. scary, though. Like, he seemed like a jar like jar. The end of, uh, like the end of Sunshine, oh. like you, you and I agree about. I, I think uh, Kelly's Jar Jar thing is, is more on point. Like, it, it really is. Like, he's a silly character. And I he's going to kill you. Oh, I felt so bad for the actor. Like, when you – it's so hard. Uh, like, putting a camera up in someone's face that close and making them play crazy. Like, that's really hard. And that actor was really trying, but it was just so forced, and I it felt really just, bad. It's a yeah. It really is. It really is, Kelly Wand. I know. Uh, yeah. And a lame payoff, too. The only thing I would argue of everything you just said, which is all totally true, is I would say uh, I do kind of like romanticizing drug dealers. <laughs> <laughs> of course you do, Kelly Wand. Go ahead. Yeah, go on. Explain. And, and in, in this movie, I thought it was an, an acceptable trope. And, and, and so I didn't know that she was an activist, and I didn't know that that was supposed to be tension. So obviously wow. that they had been. Chris Markinson thought they were brother and sister, by the way. Yeah, act- no, they'd had a relationship. And I no, like that. No, they had a relationship, no. and uh, they play with this whole idea that he taught her how to use guns, and she, she left him because she didn't agree with his lifestyle. No, I, I meant to say that Chris Markinson thought the brother and sister were actually a couple. Oh. <laughs> 
the, really? the young guy. <laughs> yeah, he thought that the brother looked like a young Will Smith, and he thought they he could never get couple. her. <laughs> and he he also agrees. He also mentioned Atomic Blonde with the fight on the stairs. All right, so just real quick, I want to I want to touch on this. So, uh, um, you know, okay, let me let me just get this out of the way. Uh, so, <laughs> I, I I realized. <laughs> today who my Harrison Ford is and it was from oh, watching gosh. Fury Road yesterday and rewatching the Atomic Blonde stair fight scene today uh, the the way yeah, I felt I like as a, the way I felt as a kid about Star Wars and Raiders of the Lost Ark I feel as an adult about Fury Road and Atomic Blonde uh, they the Star Wars and Raiders of the Lost Ark leaned so confidently on Harrison's Ford, yeah, on Harrison no Ford's, his presence, his personality, and even his physicality as a traditional tough guy action hero. And for me, Fury Road and Atomic Blonde also lean so confidently on Charlize Theron's presence, her personality, and her physicality. To me, she's a freaking superstar, and she's occupied these different diverse roles that are different characters, but I think that I still respond to very strongly because she is Charlize Theron. So I'm going to back off of the Dwayne Johnson thing. I love my, I love me some Dwayne Johnson, but I just, I've realized lately watching Charlize Theron, that's the way I used to feel about Harrison Ford. Uh, so uh, that's my new she, Harrison Ford reply. My she new. Does another, she does another thing that Harrison Ford does, and this is something that I brought up before: is that she holds wounds and pain. Right. Um, and she's consistent with it, and it pervades through the arc of the performance, which is not an easy thing to do when you're shooting something out of sequence. And the way she does that in Atomic Blonde in particular, and I don't quite remember it as much in Fury Road, but I'm sure it's there. The way she holds her 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 uh, her injuries, uh, Harrison Ford does that really, really well as well. So good. That's a good call, Tom. Uh, Fury Road is about an injured woman. I mean, I, I think that she's the main character in it easily. Yeah. And there's an arc of her injury uh, and her escape and her realization that she's going to have to return and her return being a, a place of power. Like that, the, how she deals with, with her pain and her loss and her anger is a very important arc in, in Fury Road. And I, she's really good at sustaining it. I mean, it's no surprise. She, she got the nomination for playing Eileen Wernos – or no, what was the killer's name? Yeah, you're right. The, yeah, in, in, in Monster. Monster. I mean, she's an amazing actress. You go all the That's way back. The thing. Like, she has more range than Harrison. Exactly right. She's got range. She's a fantastic okay, actress. But she plays that superstar action hero that Harrison Ford – that I looked up to Harrison Ford for uh, as a kid. With a deeper um, quiver. So at any rate, there, that, I just wanted to bring that up, watching that stairwell well, scene, because that stairwell scene in F First Purge is just so awful. Any time, by the way, you have someone duck under a punch, or I remember when I was doing like stupid community theater and we'd, we'd choreograph fight scenes, there would always be the, hey, somebody <laughs> swings the sword low and you jump over the sword. That never, uh, that would never uh, happen in a yeah. real fight. So anytime you see that, and it's the same with someone throwing a punch super high so that the actor can duck under it. Like, I, I just am so sensitive. Here's the deal. After The Matrix... The Matrix was a turning point. After The Matrix, you could not get away with cutting, with editing, to where you got a stuntman doing the fight scene. The main actor had to do the fight scenes after The Matrix. Uh. After Atomic Blonde, 
you cannot get away with crappy stunt choreography anymore. No more of this swing high and duck under it nonsense. Atomic Blonde is now the hot, the bar that you have to reach if you're going to do a good action sequence, as far as I'm concerned. It's a post-Atomic Blonde world the same way that it was a post-Matrix world. There. Well, I, I think that's set up in John Wick. I would, But it's, this, it's, it's John Leach. Is that his name? David Daniel Leach. Leach. David, David Leach. Leach. Yep. See, yep. guns um, are different. He did both. But no, he, but he did he's both. Doing but it, yeah, but, he's doing all this martial arts stuff, and he's he's doing true. it. I mean, right, right. I even watched uh, Hannah recently, and I love that Eric Bana one take fight scene. Whatever. I mean, these are all great, but it's no Atomic oh, yeah. Blonde. Like it's okay. this is a great scene, but but we are in a post Atomic Blonde world. That's the bar you have to reach. So when I see that little bit in First Purge, I'm like, oh, God, no, this is just embarrassing for everyone involved. <laughs> Go home. So do it like over. This, is, this is the atomic blonde fallout. Yeah, exa- very good, Diggis. Exactly. Yeah. So. Uh, okay. Do you guys know who Melanie <laughs> Diaz is? She's the girlfriend in Fruitvale Station. Do you know her? Like, no, like, off the top of my head, no. Yeah, she's in one of the early interviews in this. She was the love interest in The Cobbler. Did you guys see Belko Experiment? James Gunn. You guys probably should. Kelly Wan, Belko Experiment is probably for you. Uh, right. At any rate, uh, Melanie Diaz is one of the people being interviewed, and she has a great part uh, as Michael B. Jordan's girlfriend in Fruitvale Station. Uh, she's one of the interview people, and I was like, oh, great. Melanie Diaz is in this. Nope. No more scenes with her. Oh, uh, that was the worst interviewer of all well, time, by the way. too. Same with Murray. That Marissa, to- what happened Marissa there? Tomei. Yeah, that's a waste. I don't even think they like. I think I think she. It, it it really did look like she quit, and they had to shoot a death scene with a, a stand-in. Like what? Yeah, oh, that this, was weird. That was really yeah. weird. What? And Markinson says the same thing. Did they only have her on the set for a few days? I mean, yeah. Did she read it and go, "I have to do this. I have like she's on. She has Sony money." Well, I, I, I mean, here's the deal is I think, a, I, I'm yeah. guessing that, you know, early on the script looked good. They're like, hey, this is one of the producers from Fruitvale Station. Yeah. Uh, it's a new young cast. He's trying to mm-hmm. reach a new audience. He's trying to make a message movie. Would you be interested in participating? And I guess on the strength of that, I could easily see her getting involved. Uh, but again, it's McMurray just not being able to follow through. He gets Marissa Tomei, and that's what he does with her. Like the boring generic scientist yeah. role? Yeah. Who sneaks into the ultimate room for some reason? Oh. Wow. No payoff. Well, that's the thing is I thought she was going to join the good guys or yeah, have a noble death. or But no. Uh. No surprises. Huh. You know what? You're right, Kelly. Yeah. That is part of it, too, is, yeah, nothing – everything happened exactly as you would happens. expect it. Yeah. Everyone lives that you think will. Does yeah, yeah. Death. That's why I think it's kind of obvious politically. I mean, there is even that that line. Um, what does she say? Uh, science has nothing to do with politics. Is that which is that? Well, she's got a line that's basically. I don't that. know. Yeah, because she wants to be divorced from the political ramifications, and it's just a, a scientific. Is the dialogue good? Because oh right, Kelly one didn't get that dialogue. Oh, yet. that's right. <laughs> I was enjoying the acting without knowing what anybody. <laughs> <laughs> These guys are good actors, I can tell. It's a terrible dub. Jesus. Uh, thing is, what did you think of it? Like, would you say the dialogue is good? Um, there was a I lot of it. I think <laughs> it's obvious. I mean, I mean, I like, I like the obviousness of it, but that's pulp. Uh, and I, you know, I, I, I get a little shy about this because we have listeners on probably both sides or 
many sides of the political spectrum, but um, but I like lines so, like "I'm worried about this country," "I'm worried about our country," because I think that's the filmmaker directly talking on, well, about what's going on. Yeah, um, that that means something to me. Yeah. Um, you know, the, there's a moment where it's like fucking Russian, uh, something funky going down, dude. I mean, the, there are obvious things that are said. I mean, then there's the pussy grab in mind. I mean, uh, this. What? Yeah, what? when when she gets pulled, when she's about to be pulled into that store, into that grate, and the and the character right, with the right, mask right. is grabbing her, she's like, yeah. Yeah, uh, "You pussy grabbing motherfucker," and it, uh, this is, <laughs> I, th- and that's why no, I was no. directly relating this to Jurassic Park: Fallen Kingdom, which talked about, which had the line, uh, "Such a nasty woman." I mean, I think these are these are direct jabs. Um, Two on the useful. nose. Uh, well, uh, on the something, um, or which, what, his whatever, uh, which I think is is useful, but not. Uh, I don't know. I'm I'm of two minds Exploited. about this. Tom. I don't know quite what to do with it because, uh, you know, there's that that thing about you know, I think in the movie Manhattan where where they t- where they talk about uh, oh, there's going to be Nazis doing a march and. And uh, he's like, well, let's go down there with some baseball bats. And the woman's like, well, I think really biting satire would really do the trick. And he's like, well, <laughs> I don't know. I think a baseball bat really works. Um, and so this movie is more of a baseball bat. Yeah, because um, I, I so I'm my, my thinking here and especially if you've got the resources, if you've got the background with something like Fruitvale Station that I assume, uh, you, you know, Jared McMurray had a lot of goodwill going into this. He doesn't need much of a budget. Uh Go big or go home. And he did not go big, and that's what bothers me. When you mention the Russian mercenaries, play with that. That's huge. That's topical. Wait, here's here's where it lost me. Early on, it says, you know, in in doing the little uh, exposition, and here's where I knew that he was going to wuss out. Early on when it's doing the exposition, it's it's explaining this uh, National Founding Fathers political party, right? It says there's been a third political party founded besides the Democrats, beside the Republicans. It's the National Founding Fathers. and New, they've fa- su- new Founding Fathers. New Founding Fathers, and they've suggested the purge. Go big or go home, McMurray, and don't give us this third political po- party. This this is the Republicans. This is the direction the they're GOP. on. Yeah. Extrapolate from what the Republicans are doing because it's a perfect fit. If you're going to do satire, do your satire and don't pull your punches. Because you know, there's there's a mm. scene in here where there are motorcycle cops killing someone on a baseball diamond. Show us that. Make yeah, that explicit. Exactly. Very good. Death yeah. by cops. Don't do it in a montage as a throwaway. You have the opportunity to use. You know, you talk about a baseball bat. Thing is, good satire should be like a baseball bat. You should have vivid scenes of people dressed as cops killing black men. You should yeah. make it clear that these are Russian mercenaries. You should have a fucking swastika on those flags and not some coy little white or black iron cross. Yeah. Right. Go right. big or go home. This is political satire. It's R-rated. You, Gerard McMurray, are obviously concerned about the direction of this country. Right. Don't wuss out. And that's what he did. Is he wussed out? And it, yeah. I, that, and that's where that. You Man, know, I just I'm feel so. I'm so glad you brought that up, and I'm. And I love your passion about this, Tom, because that that baseball diamond thing. You're kind of 
that, that that's that was a perfect example of that because it, the camera pulls away and we they hide the body yeah. of the guy as they yeah. as they walk around him and he literally for not the swinging for the fences and reminding you that he's not. I mean, yeah, it's, it's so a, it's as old as a Rodney King footage. I mean, for fuck's sake, yeah. use it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the, the vibe I got is there are those guys who do the um, meet the Spartans, like the shitty airplane movies. Yeah, yeah. Like where airplane had jokes in it. Like it wasn't just presenting something, but like they would just put Borat in a scene, and that was the joke. And so you just present it as, and then go, see, that's a parody because you're just like having Tim wear the same makeup or something. And that's yeah. what I got from this is like. Yeah, see, contact lenses well, represent. Spike Lee, Spike Lee would have actually spliced in uh, footage of the of Rodney King Spliced. being beaten. He right. would have, he would, you would have actually seen that. I mean, he's he was that obvious um, back in the day. I, I I think Tom, I think you're really onto something. Because I, I want, I mean, I want movies like that now. And I, Dingus, you mentioned yeah. we have listeners on both sides. I don't, I don't, I've, I've had a, a big issue with a friend of mine. Is I, I don't think there are decent people who support Trump anymore. And if people support Trump, I really question whether or not they're decent. And I'm sorry if we have listeners on both sides, and I'm offending you. I, I feel bad about that. But uh, that I, can't be true. <laughs> I, I mean, I, yeah, like I, I just I can't believe I, there's a Trump vote. I, I know very few people who I, I know. Yeah, it just it's surprising to me. And so I do feel that now's the time that movies like this really need to take off the gloves. And if it offends people who support Trump, you know what? That's part of defend what you it. do with satire. Yeah, you exactly. Know, defend it. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually, because we have friends. We have very close friends who are conservatives and they are not trump supporters they they're like he does not represent me at all and um i am and it's like he's in a cult it's like when they join the forum or like scientology but but i think you make a good point i mean but it's hard for you when you have like family members right who just their only their only care is about abortion and so they're going to support trump right but Uh, we have we have have conservative friends who are very smart who are like yeah don't count me in with those people well, I think Trump has nothing to do with conservatism. I mean, right. conservatism no. is not. That's the thing. Yeah. That's what's so outrageous about it is like evangelicals are like, yeah, he's our guy. And I'm like, what? wait a minute. The one thing I thought I could count on you people for, you're <laughs> total, you're full of shit on that. All right. Good to know. Uh, did the, uh, the, the smarmy new founding fathers, the, the, the white guy who has Marissa Tomei killed, did he remind you guys of anyone? Or is it just uh, Dingus is Peter Skarsgård? <laughs> is that who you're talking about? Is Terminator Planet of the Apes guy? Jason oh, no. <laughs> I like how I mix him up and then make fun of Dingus as I'm mixing. It might have been just me, but I, I thought he looked like Tucker Carlson, which I thought was delightful. Oh, I oh that's funny. That's I funny. To, oh, I hate I wish he so would have been wearing a bow tie. That's funny. Well, you know what really what's really weird is he looks like – and I wouldn't have known what this guy looked like before hey, today. He looks like Brett Kavanaugh, who's the the, uh, the, the nominee for uh, – Justice I haven't Kennedy's seen a picture of him yet. But okay. Brett Kavanaugh looks like that douchey dude playing the villain in, in First Purge. It's uh, it's a little bit. Uh, if, if Kennedy's doing Kennedy could, if Kennedy's doing like a, he's bid for more money. It's the most brilliant. <laughs> I don't think that's how the Supreme Court works. Yeah, I don't think so. If he's doing so, a Friends. <laughs> so, what do you guys think? Just yeah. you know, aside from the politics of it. What do you think about this as a prequel to what goes on? I know, I know that you 
I guess, Kelly, you haven't seen any of the other movies, right? No, I'm kind of out of... I don't really get... Yeah, I haven't seen the first one for sure. I haven't seen the Ethan Hawke one. So it basically becomes the law of the land. You know, it's presaged in the credits of this movie saying, well, we're going to open it up for the for the country. Um, and it becomes this thing that happens all over the country. Uh, and it goes on for these three movies. Uh, and I thought, as far as prequels were are concerned i thought it was a pretty good idea for how they would set it up it was super interesting to me because i used to live in staten island so i kept wondering why oh. staten island uh and they talked about demographics just sort of in an offhand kind of a way um that was not my experience in staten island but i lived in a different part of staten island but staten island kind of has the like that's the that's one of the that's the borough of new york that's like eh, staten island that that place that's where we throw our trash um, is that what that means? Because I don't know enough about New York to get that reference. I honestly – Staten do, Island. The, I, like I'm constantly confusing I, – I have no idea what the difference is between Staten Island and Coney Island. They're the same right, to so me. Staten Island is, is – you would take a ferry. You would have to actually take a, a ferry all the way across to get to this island that's – right separate from it and forget about it i guess yeah it's, it's coney island is a place you go to ride roller coasters staten island is a place so staten one of the island, boroughs of new york it doesn't have those uh like the roller coasters and stuff on staten island no no that's kind of um, it, that's just <laughs> I'm not like that a, that's just an amu- a little amusement park that you would ride the subway down to the end of manhattan to to see um uh, but it's one of the, it's one of the boroughs of New York, and so it kept. It was very interesting to me just to sort of see Staten Island again, uh, because I did used to live there. Um, so I, I just found that that particularly fascinating, and that they decided to to make this prequel as this encapsulated experiment. They they kept referring to it as uh, two days until the experiment, two hours before the experiment starts, yeah. and and that's how they're doing it. Wait, is it, I thought are there there's no bridges to Staten Island? There are, but they they show them being shut down. Oh, so why do you take Through, a ferry then? Well, because uh not every because driving a car in New York sucks. <laughs> um so to commute to work, uh, I would take no a bus, where. then the ferry, then I would take the subway to get to my job. Oh, that sounds um, fun, dude. It, good. It, it was fun until I started to actually do the calculations and realizing realized how much money I was spending doing all this commuting. Yeah, but uh, you but, need a car. Yeah, but but parking in New York, forget it. And well, driving guess, all that way over those bridges is is fairly rigorous. Um, so you you have to. It's it's a more direct route to take the ferry, and plus, quite frankly, riding on a boat every day past the Statue of Liberty was kind of fun. Oh, Even when it was freezing. The only frame of reference I have for the Staten Island Ferry is it's uh, Spalding Gray killed himself off the Staten Island Ferry. Yeah, so that's my that's what I associate it with. So they should shut that thing down. You're not gonna what? talk about uh, Spider Man trying to. Uh... Spider Man threw him also committed suicide off the Staten Island Ferry. He would have. Uh, wait a minute. Oh, was that? There. Oh, that was the Staten Island Ferry that he cut in half. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You clumsy wow. idiot. I learned something Sorry. new every day. All right. See, it's a yeah. special boat, Tom. You know, oh, okay. Hey, it's huh. confusing because Manhattan's an island, Coney Island's an island, Staten Island's an island. Well, they see Escape from New York thing, right? Is there's apparently yeah. enough geography out there where you have science fiction social experiment movies? It's a weird uh, shape. 
Yeah. Like a pitchfork. I'm glad you brought up Escape from New York because that makes me think of you talking yeah, about uh, the Purge Anarchy because it seems like they're in an Escape from New York movie, but they're not going anywhere. Well, right. and, and to answer your question, Ding, as a, as a sequel, I really did like it. Again, it was my whole thing with Jared McMurray not following through. But I love this idea of the, the these are the roots of the Purge uh, movies is that it was an experiment and it had to be manipulated is that the purge isn't really human nature it is human nature as manipulated by evil politicians and rich people and like it, it fits in that it's it it's it's like it's it's what the movies are getting at and i i like i like the setup like i mentioned i i like the characters i like this idea of hey let's see how a drug dealer versus a neighborhood activist reacts in this situation um so yeah as, as a prequel i i in theory, definitely liked what they were trying to do. It's weird because when the Purge movie started, we didn't actually consider – like it seemed like a science fiction premise. Like obviously the real population of America wouldn't become like <laughs> over Purge, but now it seems like, yeah, we may as well just do the Purge. Like, well, the first, the first Purge stuff. movie – I would argue the first Purge movie is actually a Western. It's the classic siege where yeah. the, the criminal gets the, – the sheriff has to protect the criminal from the mob, uh, right. and that's that's what the, the basic premise Salt of the first – Precinct Purge. 13. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly, which is also basically like a Western idea. Yeah. And it also the, the, stars the same actor. Yeah, that's true. Wait, oh, Ethan Hawke. Oh, right, 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 right. I, I will say Ethan Hawke made the right call uh, getting killed in the first movie so that he didn't have to do any more of these. Uh, yeah. It would be dumb to be if your career was – I'm in all the Purge movies. Right. And also, on the in the Back to the Future documentary, they were asking Zemeckis about a fourth when he's all, four is a boring number. Never make a fourth movie about anything. There's never a good four. Uh, alien Star Trek. People love Star Trek Four. That's where the the whales they save them from God. Mm-hmm. That's no. when I, yeah. <laughs> when I saw the title go, the Voyage Home. Oh God, really? It's a whole movie about just get Spock. That's a movie, and now you're just getting back home in a different ship, and that's oh wait, time travel. Oh God, Jesus. Oh, no more of these ever. Oh wait, William Shatner's directing. That'll be interesting. Uh, so did you guys notice in the shootout at the end, McMurray shows us, uh, like, I think it's supposed to show us how close the armed mob is getting to the apartment where our heroes are. And he shows room nine, room 12, room 14. And then we see there, that's not how room numbers work in in tenement buildings. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What, what floor is this on Gerard? Gerard McMurray, have you never been in a tenement building before? To know that there's no room nine, room twelve, and room fourteen that high up in a tenement building. Did the rocket launcher guys know that the purge was almost over too in about ten <laughs> seconds? And also the stitches guy, like he did all that shit like right before the alarm went off. Well, I recall that's something that the, the other movies played acting. with is that you just have to make it Two to the siren. Yeah, yeah, yeah they, exactly. This movie seemed to forget, or the characters didn't seem to know what time it was. Yeah. Well, I like I like oh, the oh, guy oh, in, the, oh. in the rain slicker serial killer outfit going. Um, he, he got really mad about something. He's like, let's kill everyone on this floor. Yeah. <laughs> You've been doing that? Yeah. So your standard operating procedure, you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you mean we're purging. <laughs> I, I don't it. understand how this this particular way of doing things, paying everybody $5,000, and Chris Markinson kind of makes this point too, and sending in a bunch of dudes to shoot people floor by floor, makes more sense than just 
bombing these towers. You have a rocket, and you're going in, uh, into an apartment. Just drop bombs with on them. Rocket what, what's wrong with you? <laughs> if you're gonna, do, if you're gonna, if this is your plan, just do that. <laughs> well, I think they're trying to make it look like everybody shot each other. Yeah, I guess is so. The deal. Is that that's what, yeah? I'm just like, trying to see yeah. how like the government is using its money because part part of their justification is, and it's probably also racist, but. Part of their justification is we, we can't figure out how to pay for everything, so we need to call uh, we need to call the population. Um, so let's give everybody five thousand dollars. <laughs> That's not racist. Uh, yeah. And then shoot people floor by floor. Uh, okay, why don't you just set some bombs in the basement like they did in um, you know Fight Club? Just do that. Well, I do. It's it's because it, it really like the premise here, and I, here I am going to bat for the the, the premise here is it's gonna there it, is it has to be successful so they can make it a national. Uh, oh. thing, and then therefore the population problem will cull itself. Uh, Self-correct. I mean, I, oh, you know, that's I a good point. Yeah, that's a good point, Tom. Actually, yeah. And so I don't, I don't mean to defend this, but I don't get the why. If it's prequel and it's setting up things like contact lenses and drones, those aren't in the Ethan Hawke one, are they? Well, because oh, it, no. what, this is all no, yeah, not at all. This is all uh, a way to to show that it's successful and to extend it to a national scale. Uh, so they have to document it, and they have to uh, show that yeah, this is this is what'll happen, and this is the outcome. Uh, uh, like this is all an experiment under a microscope, and it's right. going to be used to justify doing it uh, on a national scale. So that's why later we don't so. have the, the drones and the contact lenses. That it doesn't have to be sold anymore. Then you just unleash it, and it takes care of. The, the weird thing too, though, is it, it ends up like it's not. I, I don't recall there being anything about it's used to cull minorities or poor people. They're certainly like the rich using it to manipulate and entertain themselves. And but shoot the poor people. No, Remember? it's definitely, as the, the series goes people. on, it's definitely about, uh, you know, when when the guys come up in the first movie and they're like, because what happens is this guy's running down the street, this black guy's running down the street, and he, and they and the the son lets him into the house. Uh, the rich kids come up and go, um, he's one of the ones that we get to kill because he's worthless. And it's about killing homeless people. It's about killing minorities who are worthless. It's about getting rid of the worthless people. They don't kill each the other? They should kill each other too. Well, they, I, I guess they, you're right, Dingus. They eventually start killing each other. I mean, that's what that's kind they of what the surprise is that happens in the movie is that that when they think they have safe haven, the rich people start. They're like, yeah, well, this is our chance, haha. <laughs> right. Uh, but the the justification as it rolls along is let's let's get rid of the people who are worthless. Did you watch all these movies this week, Dingus? Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> Why? Thing is, you could have watched uh, the dis- the domestics, starring uh, yeah, uh, starring uh, Kate Bosworth. Did you say that ends with an X, by the way? No, it doesn't. Unfortunately, that would be cool. Okay, so one of the Bosworth? factions in the domestics, they're people that uh. They put like they look like ghosts. They like wear sheets over their heads with go- It's like Michael Myers. They wear sheets over their heads with goggles on the outside of the sheets, and that's their <laughs> faction. That's their defining feature. And the faction itself is called the Sheets. 
All right, so I can write that down uh, for my three by three pick. Thank you. <laughs> uh, there's the gamblers who will capture you and then spin a wheel to decide whether or not they're going to kill you or let you loose. Actually, the domestics does have, and that's why it's my over, is it does have these like kind of, even though they're inept things about it, it has some cool memorable stuff in it. Um, like the husband and wife get caught and nailed to a table and forced to play a Russian roulette with each other, for instance. And that's for the, the gambler faction. Sounds that's convoluted. what they do. Yeah. Uh, here you go, Kelly. How would you feel about a cannibal Lance Reddick? Well, isn't that what we had in this with the stitches? <laughs> well, but no, but he's a nice one. He's a nice, friendly cannibal, like a family man. But oh, then that's okay. Yeah. I want to. I want my mom to hang out with him. <laughs> uh, so. They have a big old uh, plow truck. That uh, like barrels through these parked cars on a suburban street. That's like a cool set piece. Here's my favorite thing about the domestics. Uh, in La La Land, uh, uh, Emma, what? Emma Stone's roommates. Like I, I love these young ladies. I'm following their careers. Jessica uh, Roth has that uh, Happy Death Day series going. Uh, the woman, woman named Callie Hernandez, who was in the last Alien movie. She's in a, a horror movie that just came out called Endless. Uh, uh, there's, there's a young woman named Sonoya Mizuno, who – she's the yellow dress roommate of uh, Emma Stone. Uh, she was the dancer with uh, Oscar Isaacs and Ex Machina, right? We all remember her. Uh, she has a role in Domestics, Sonoya Mizuno, as a, uh, a mute, uh, like, ninja, assassin, badass, mysterious killer chick. Hmm. So it's got that going for it. When you described the domestics, it reminds me, I don't know why, of sightseers. Does it have any of... No, because sightseers is a... It's very, domestics is too in love with its apocalyptic setting. Sightseers is two crazy people in the real world. This is two r- oh. real people crossing a crazy world. Like, it's sort of in flipping Sightseers is a fun romp comedy, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah and Kate, Kate Bosworth, too. So, oh, by the way, the lead guy, he's one... You guys wouldn't remember this. He's one of the guys from Everybody Wants Some. I love the cast in that. Not Blake Jenner, but he's like the alpha male, and he's married yeah, to I like Kate Bosworth. Yeah, I got the best cheese on campus. Yeah, he was great. Uh, Kate oh. Bosworth, I always feel like when I see her in a movie that she was like fourth or fifth on the list of people that they really wanted. <laughs> <laughs> named Kate. I feel of, bad for Of her. people named Kate, by the way. <laughs> right, yeah. okay, right, right. Kate Mara's gone. <laughs> <laughs> She's all tied up at the moment. All right, so Dingus, we made markets and see this. Uh, he was he was pretty down on it, though. I guess right. He was he was pretty down on it. Uh, you know, from the from the opening moment. I mean, he just didn't have any confidence because of Skeletor's weird acting. Um, he liked uh, Elon Noel. He thinks that he can see him being convincing convincing action guy, and I agree with him on that. Um, he was worried about the sassy woman crapping her pants and never really cleaning it up, so she must have smelled weird. Um, uh, oh, he, I, I love this quote from him, that this movie, like so many movies, thinks you can just jump out of the way of an expanding fireball and suffer no injury. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and, he, and he did not like that the three wise men ran, all ran out of bullets at the same time. And that was another thing. Like I thought that was going to be set up as like a Greek chorus or something. I loved the idea of that. Like and that would be a dingus in a Spike Lee movie. He would totally do that. Is these guys would mm-hmm. be the chorus off to the side, and you know because they, they're introduced to the, the wise men or the three kings or the three stooges. Like I loved that, and they yeah. did, did nothing with that. Yeah, yeah they did nothing with it. And they had some. Pre- they had the, at least one pretty good actor 
there. But oh well. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, it, mm-hmm. Yeah. It bothered it was, me when someone said when they they were talking about the mercenaries and someone said, "Yeah, it's like Blackwater back in the day." Uh, because oh, I don't. God. Well, no, because I. Well, yeah, I don't know if Mr. McMurray knows this, but there's no black back in the day. Blackwater is still around. They're doing the exact same thing they've been doing. All they've done is a couple of times they've changed their name. They're still around. Blackwater uh, and their contracting business did not go away. So there's no Blackwater. Yeah, you back can hit the, the nail on the head with that. You can mess around with Halliburton. You can mess around with a bunch of things. You can maybe he meant the alligator movie. <laughs> Because <laughs> back in the day, that was a pretty good movie. Back in the day, that was a great alligator. Yeah, yeah. The Purge is all about releasing alligators. <laughs> all right. Well, let's see something else next week. Wow. Uh, we've already seen um, Ant-Man. There's a sequel with the chick from Lost. What do you think of that, Kelly Wand? She was in the original. Yeah. What? Yeah, but her it's name's not. in the title now. That was the exciting part. Oh. Yeah, right. She wasn't a superhero in the original. She was just like a sassy like love interest. You know what? Whatever. She you was the tell- daughter of... No, you know, shut up. Remind me next week. Happening. I couldn't care less. I don't care. She, she la, fell la, in la, love la, with la, the dwarf, la, la, la. and I, she had an affair with the dwarf. Oh, that's right. I did like her in that movie. That's the only movie that I can stomach her. Yeah, Save it for the podcast, you guys. I'm sorry. But it's a different dwarf that she really had sex with and lost. I was a hobbit. Oh. Wow. <laughs> hey, this will give me a reason to rewatch Battle of Five Armies. I could watch that movie over and over again. Oh, it's God. Great. That movie is retarded. Like, <laughs> Kelly, it's awesome. It's Kelly just, is your, your personal smoke monster, I think. It's three hours of CG battles from Peter Jackson, Kelly. Oh, sorry. Yeah, it's two and a half. Yeah. No, it's two and a half hours of CG battles. A half the characters hour. all suck. But it's they a half just, hour. Of, there's no characters in it. It's a half hour of a dragon <laughs> burning a village, and then that two and a half not. hours of things fighting each other. There's I no like there aren't. Getting burned. Yeah, that is cool. There's like an elf who jumps on rocks, and there's an there's an orc who's mean. Um, there's a oh a dwarf who rides on a pig. Come on, that's not that's not a character. That's like a it's like a superpower. Lee Pace rides a reindeer. Yeah, isn't that awesome? You're making me. I can't wait to watch this. Let's do that next week instead of Ant Man and the Wasp. <laughs> There's a brooch, a pterodactyl, a hat. Brooch. If you see Ant Man two, I don't. What is it? it? Really is called the Ant Man and the Wasp. Yeah, oh, it's like a Green Hornet insect oh, thing. Tom. God, it's if not you the. See it's it, just called Ant Man and the Wasp. Yeah. There's many Ant Man, but only how come one he? Wasp. Yeah, how come? Ironically, she is. A it should have been wasps. Should have been first, I think. It's like Valerian and the Thousand uh, Chimichangas. Yes, Kelly Wand. What's that movie called? Valerian and Wasp. Valerian, Martha May, Marcy. <laughs> hey Tom, who's in that movie that I haven't heard about? What? Valerian. Never mind. Oh, right. Dingus forgot that Rihanna was uh, was the, the, the shape changer in oh, Valerian no. in City was, of a Thousand uh, Planets. Fetch or something. Wasn't it Bubbles? I think Bubbles. Was Bubbles. Bubbles. Yeah. 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 Silly me. Yeah. And then she went on to do Ocean's 8. Huh. Like you do. All right. So go see Allison Ant-Man, too. the Ant-Man and Wasp. <laughs> and then send us your thoughts to 3x3 at quarter to three. Get those to us. By midnight, uh, July 13th, Friday. 
So it's a little earlier. So you've only got a few days to see it. See it quick. Let us know what you thought. Kelly Wand, what should they be thinking of for the rest of the month for the, the 3 by 3 that we're doing in a few weeks? I thought of a better one. Can we change it? We cannot because people have been thinking about this for a week. No, you can know, and, and now You're Tom's brought up one that I can use with the, with the people with sheets on their heads who wear goggles. Those aren't ghosting. It's their sheets. They're, <laughs> they're sheets. <laughs> they're, they're members of the sheets, which is the, the, the fashion sheets. that controls. Sheets is like a, like a truck stop. I'm it's the sheets, but and Ant-Man. So, Kelly, what is the three by three? I forget. Three dumbest ghost activities. <laughs> you know what I don't get about ghosts? Never mind. Yeah, save it. Send those to 3x3. Yeah, 3x3 at quarter3.com. That's a Seinfeld oh, moment. Sorry. You know what I don't get about ghosts? Get that Uh-oh. to us by August 5th, midnight Pacific, and we will read those on the air. Uh, we'll see you at the theaters next week with uh, Ant, <laughs> Ant Wasp Lady Man. Is that uh, a special quarter to three? Uh, catchphrase. We'll see you at the theaters. Oh, it's taken. That's taken. I'm afraid I can't use that. We're gonna. Yeah, we're sa- save the aisle seats for us. That's not a. Mm-hmm. Nobody took that, did they? See you, you in the balcony. In the aisle. We'll see you. My name is Tom Check. I have been here with Christian Murkowski. It's Christian Murkowski. I hope you vote correctly, Dingus. Dingus, if you're related to that woman, I need you to prevail upon her. Do whatever you can. That woman. No. Uh, and we have <laughs> Kelly Wong. Yeah, and we'll see you sprawled on the grass with a bong outside the theater. I'll say, can you see by the time's early life? What's a party we have at the twilight glass gleaming? Who's bus drives and rides down? Wait, which character was Skeletor? I prefer that we be more capable and prepared than lucky. Observation, reflection, faith, and determination. In this way, we may navigate the path as it unfolds before us. All right, and we have, what, eight more recharge cycles to go before we get to Aurigai 6? Is that a question, sir? Yes, Walter, that's a question. That is correct. Dingus, let's get shopping carts and play a trick on Tom with stuffed animals. Are you an angry person? This podcast was dumb.